Jenny basically just ended her testimony where I was going to end my sermon. So I'm kind of like, I don't even know if I have anything to say anymore, which is awesome, which is so, I just feel like this is, uh, this is powerful. Um, I want to just quickly ask you guys, it's 2019, have you noticed? Here we are, it's a new year. What does God, what do you want to happen? What do you need to happen for you in 2019? Some of you guys are planning to hit the gym again. I've been to the gym. It's much busier in January, right? Some of you guys are back there. Um, But my question is, what is it, you know, getting in physical shape uh, is not an instantaneous thing, right? If you were to go to the gym and someone was to say, tomorrow you're running a marathon, could you do it? Could you run it, right? Could you just up and run a marathon? Probably not. Um, Same like if someone's like, I want you to go out and do 100 pull-ups right tomorrow. You couldn't do it, right? Because gaining strength takes time. So uh, here's a question. What, how do we grow spiritually stronger, all right? So we, don't, we have a gym for physical strength. How do we become spiritually stronger? If God were to tap our church on the shoulder and say, hey, tomorrow, Sanctuary Church, you all are going to run a spiritual marathon, would we be ready for it? Got really quiet in the room. <laughs> how, 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 how would we get stronger if God were somehow to say, in the future, I'm not telling you exactly when, but I'm going to call on you as a church to run a marathon spiritually. What would we do? Would we wait till the gun goes off? How would we get in shape. Why am I asking us this? I'm asking this, church, because in many ways, this is what God has already told us as a church. God has said to us, Sanctuary Church, and it's not just this church, it's other churches, in the near future, I am going to call you, I'm going to, the gun is going to go off, and you're going to run a spiritual marathon, right? What are you talking about, Greg? What I'm talking about is that God has given us a calling as a church to seek him for revival. Our founding verse comes from Habakkuk. Lord, we've heard of your fame. We're in awe of your deeds. Make them new in our time. We've written songs about this. We've been praying and we've been seeking God, called to seek God for, for revival, which is an inbreaking of God's kingdom in word, deed, and power that ushers in a new normal of the kingdom in our city. And We've been praying for it. But here's the thing, guys. Revival and being part of what God does in a time of revival is going to require incredible spiritual strength and stamina. It's like running a marathon. And so our question as we start this new year is, if God answers our prayers, are we ready as a church for what what we're asking for? If God gives us what we want, are we going to be ready for it? And God has just been saying this time after time, time after time. Don't change the channel on this calling. So next year marks the 200th anniversary of the Great Providence Revival of 1820. Turn to your neighbor and say 1820. All right, so 199 years ago, God touched this city with a move of the Holy Spirit. It was a powerful move of God. Right, if, if God were to touch our, our area, our city in a similar way today, it would be like seeing 75 or 100,000 people come to faith in a single year. 
I just, I just want you to think about that. What would that mean to you if 75,000 people in our area came to faith in a single year? I don't even know. It'd be crazy. Um, in 1820, uh, a, a pastor, pastors from all around the, the city had to come in to help, like to try to help disciple all these new believers. They went from the house to house. And one of them said it seemed like every single household in the whole city had been touched by God. So 2020 is an interesting year for us as a church. In some ways, it's a reminder to us that God has moved in the past, that he has moved in a mighty way, and it's required his people to partner with him and to have great spiritual strength and stamina as they do that. And so, and it's not just in providence this happened, guys. This is an enduring pattern throughout history. That God, periodically, as things get dark and de decay spiritually, God sends new life. And it doesn't come in a steady pattern. It comes in waves, tidal waves. And if he's done it before, he, he could certainly do it again. And we don't know. I don't know. I'm not here saying it's going to happen in 2020. But my question for us is, do we want to wait as a church for the gun to go off before we start getting ready? All right? So we feel that 2019 is an important year for us as a church. Um, that God is actually setting aside this year for us to prepare, to focus, to seek him for a mighty move of God, to seek him for revival, and to get ourselves spiritually ready for what's next. So I want to ask us, and Jenny's pretty much already told you what I'm going to say, but I just want to look at Jesus and how Jesus, Jesus didn't have a January 1st, he didn't have a new year, but how did Jesus get ready for his own spiritual marathon that he was going to run, all right? So I'm going to read this text. If there was an equivalent moment in Jesus's life, it probably would have been at the beginning of his ministry. So why don't we stand, and I'm going to read the scripture to us. This is from Luke 4, verses 1 through 13. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. At the end of them, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, if you're the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it's written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. This is the word of the Lord. You guys can be seated. I want to share quickly. You guys could pray for me right now. I just thought I'll do this quickly. Jesus, help me to say this quickly. There's a couple reasons that Jesus fasted. And I want to talk about why he fasted. 
and prayed, why that was the way he started his new year. And then I want to talk about what that means for us. So the first reason Jesus started his new year with prayer and fasting is, is totally different than any reason we would do it. Does that make sense? Jesus, in, in some ways, prayed and fasted for something that only Jesus could do as the Son of God. And we can't really follow him there. So the text actually tells us that Jesus was led by the Spirit in, into the wilderness in order to face the devil. Okay, and so some of you guys are freaking right now because we're really talking about this, January 6th, talking about the devil. And yes, I am going to talk about it. (laughs) I'm going to talk about him. We all know, though, if you've been in the world, that we all know that there's evil in the world. Raise your hand if you know that. There's evil stuff in the world. And I think what the Christian story helps us understand is that evil is not just some kind of weird thing that happens. There's actually an intention and a personality and an force behind evil. And that is what Jesus goes to face in the wilderness, right? And Jesus is going into the wilderness to do something that only God can do. Jesus is actually entering the human story, and it's a cosmic do-over. Does that make sense? It's a, say to your neighbor, cosmic do-over, right? Jesus is, the, the genealogy in the chapter before ends with Jesus as the son of Adam, the son of God, right? And we know that the last time humans went into a place and were tempted by the devil, they lost. They lost the battle. Does that make sense? So Adam and Eve went into the garden, and the devil fought against them. He didn't use physical weapons. He used ideas. And if you've ever seen the best movie in the world, Inception, Right? Who's seen Inception? Greatest. Run it now. The, the whole point is that the most powerful force in the world is an idea that's deeply planted in the human soul. And that's what the devil tries to do to Adam and Eve. Tries to get Adam and Eve to distrust God's goodness. To distrust God's word. Right? Did God really say that? To distrust their own relationship with God, that they should surrender to God. No, you should try to be like God. And Adam and Eve took the bait, and that idea was planted deep in the human consciousness. It became like a virus that corrupted us. And at some level, all the junk in the world goes back to that. And so here comes Jesus to do what only God can do. He's coming back, and he say, devil, I'm going to take back what you took from humanity. And so he goes in the wilderness, and the devil tries the same thing with Jesus. Tries to lodge lies about God, about us at the core of Jesus' soul. He says, are you really God's child? Right? Can you really do things God's way? Can you really trust God's word? And three times Jesus says to the devil, it is written. And he quotes Deuteronomy at the devil. And, the, and, and he wins. Does that make sense? He wins in the wilderness and the whole of rest of Jesus' life, he's going to have victory over the devil. And on the cross, he establishes a permanent beachhead of God's kingdom, the effective place where God gets what he wants. Jesus establishes God's kingdom on earth. So Jesus does what none of us could do. Does that make sense? The only reason we're here is because Jesus came to rescue us from the power of sin, right? And we see it begin right here in the story. And so, in that way, um, we just give thanks. We say, thank you, Jesus, for saving us, for rescuing us. But the other reason Jesus came into the wilderness in fasting and prayer is because he was human. 
right? Jesus was the most fully human of all of us, and in some ways, he shows us what a human life is supposed to look like. Jesus actually came into the wilderness because he knew that he had a spiritual marathon to run, just like we do, and that he needed to get stronger. How could that be? How could Jesus, the Son of God, have to be stronger? He was human. We all need to become spiritually stronger. Jesus knows that in order to establish the kingdom, he's going to have to grow in spiritual strength. And that's why he goes into the wilderness. If you've ever been to the gym, you guys know that strength is actually the human organism's adaptive response to stress, right? So if you want to get mad biceps, what do you do? You apply resistance, you apply stress to your biceps. You curl, right? You find, you curl, or maybe you use a machine. You're not into the free weight thing. But you apply stress to the muscle, and the stress is not what builds the muscle, right? The stress actually breaks the muscle down. But then if you eat protein and you, you know, sleep well over the next several days, your human body will rebuild the muscle even stronger. Amen? So fat, if you want to isolate your biceps, you curl. If you want to isolate your soul, you fast and pray. Does that make sense? How does it get stronger? And so the Holy Spirit knows that Jesus needs to get stronger. And so he directs him to go into the wilderness to book himself a 40-day membership at the gym, the gym of the Lord, right? And Jesus uses fasting and prayer and even the temptations of the devil as a freaking barbell. Does that make sense? He allows... The, the, the temptations to provide resistance to his soul, soul that he has to push against. And what happens? Jesus gets stronger. Because he knew that for the race ahead of him, he had to get stronger. And so the obvious question, friends, is for us. If Jesus needed to get spiritually stronger at the beginning of his new year, and we have our own race to run, do we really think that we don't need to get stronger, right? We all need to get stronger. We need to get stronger. As a church, we have a calling to steward and lead in a time of revival. Some of you guys may not be able to go there. It's kind of way over your head. Like, what even is, what's that guy talking about? All of us have races ahead of us this year. We have spiritual marathons to run. For some of you, it may be a personal calling it may be an assignment you have from God. Some of you, it's just a challenge in your life that you need to be stronger. I believe Jenny has had a calling in her life, a purpose on her life, and she needed to get stronger. And two years ago, she was actually not able to do the things, that, the destiny that God had for her life. And so she needed to go to the gym of the Spirit to get stronger. Does that make sense? So that's why we're entering into this season. Next two weeks, and worship team, you can come up and uh, back me up up here. But basically, in a, in a few minutes, I'm just going to call us as a church to begin fasting and praying. We'll share what that could look like for you. It could look different ways. It could look like, um, you know, you can fast from lots of different things. You fast from... Meat, you can fast from alcohol, you can fast from chocolate, you can fast from TV, you can fast from social media. 
you can just straight up old school fast, which is just like just not eating anything. Um, but the whole point of fasting is that we are actually removing things from our life to make room that only God can fill. Does that make sense? That's what we're doing when we fast. But it's important to know why we're fasting. So fasting without prayer and a prayer focus is just a diet. Just going to get cranky on people. It's not going to change anything in your spirit without a focus, without a purpose for that fast. And the purpose that I want to call us to is that this year we are fasting as a church so that Jesus can strengthen us for the race that he has for us to run. I want to share a few specific ways that I think God wants to strengthen us this year. Actually, we can hear a lot of those themes in in the story that Jenny shared. The first place Jesus wants to strengthen some of you this year as you fast is in the area of your identity. That's what the devil came after Jesus, said, are you really the son of God? And some of you need to know as you begin 2019 that Jesus loves you. That you are a beloved child of God, created for God. That he looks at you and he loves you. Right? Some of us, and I include myself in this, have struggled. We've heard it a million times. Oh yeah, God loves me. We sing about it. But there's some way that it actually has not penetrated to the depth of the place we live from. For some of us, there's sin in our lives that's kind of in the way. It's keeping us from feeling the assurance of God's love. For others of us, maybe we have false pictures of who God is. We see him as a disapproving parent or an employer in the sky, not the Father who created you in love. But Jesus begins his ministry from the place of certainty of who he is, that he is loved by God. Some of you are exhausting yourselves trying to earn God's love when he has already extended his arms and embraced you. He's hugging you right now. You just need to let him love you and hug him back. And fasting and prayer can be a way to ask God for a deeper assurance of his love. And I want that for us. I don't want us to go and do a bunch of things for God out of a desire for some other than desire than the overflow of his love. So that's one way God wants to strengthen us. I think a second way God wants to strengthen us this year is in the area of our calling. Right? Calling is just every human being has a calling from God. God doesn't create us randomly. When he thought you up and knit you together in your mother's womb, it wasn't just some random, oh, let's see what happens with this. No, God has a purpose for you. For your life. He has a purpose for all of his people. Number one, to be the bride of Christ, to be his kingdom people on earth. But even for specific ones of us, God has a purpose and a destiny for your life. And he wants to use you in specific ways in the church, in the city, in his kingdom. And some of you actually know what that purpose is. God's talked to you about it. But maybe for different reasons, you've, there have been doubts in your mind. Oh, God, could that really be me? Could you really want to use me in that way? 
the enemy wants to sow doubt and confusion about your purpose. And I remember the first time I fasted and prayed, I heard deeply about God's love for me. The, se- the second time I fasted and prayed about my calling, I was assailed with all kinds of doubts, doubting words. Oh, that's silly. Are you, is God really calling you to do that? Is God really putting that on your life? And eventually after like a week of this, I realized, oh, this is not me saying this to myself. This is not God saying, this is somebody else talking to me. Oh my gosh, I think I know who this is. And I told the voice to shut up. That was one of the best things I ever did. It's a powerful prayer when you just turn to the devil and you say, devil, shut up. God's told me who I am. And God wants to bring some of us to a level of clarity and conviction and depth about your calling. Others of you, there, you've, God's spoken to you. You've allowed yourself to get sidetracked. There's all kinds of things competing for our attention. Netflix, your job, whatever. But God's told you, I want you to do this thing. And we do like 10 other things, right? We just get off course. And so this year, God wants to bring you back focused on what he's called you to do. Others of you, I don't know what God's calling me to do. I actually need God to clarify that for me. One of the most powerful ways for that to happen is to go into fasting and prayer and say, God, I'm yours. I surrender to you. I'm giving my future to you. And I just ask you to show me what have you put me here to do? For some of you, it's not like the 50-year plan. Some of you, it's a next step. God, what do I need to do next to be faithful to you? So in the area of our calling, and, and God did that with Jenny. As Jenny began to surrender her life to Jesus, surrender parts of her life to Jesus, God began to speak specific calling over her. And she said yes to it. It got clearer and clearer and clearer. And God wants to do that with us. The third final way that God wants to strengthen us is God wants to remove the impurities from our hearts. If you've, ever, if you've ever forged a samurai sword, which none of you have, I'll just tell you how it happens. <laughs> you know, the strength of a metallic object is, it, ha- it has to do with how pure the steel is, right? And so one of the things that makes like a samurai bl- blade brittle is that metals have these impurities in them, right? They have little pieces of rock or whatever, and it weakens the blade so that as it hits something, it shatters. So one of the things that the folks that made these katana samurai blades in, in Japan learned to make them stronger than any other metal is that they forged them at a higher heat for a longer temperature. And that allowed those impurities to burn out of the molten metal. It's, it's called a crucible. It burns the impurities out. And for some of us, there are things in our lives that should not be there right? That are actually functioning to weaken the metal of our souls, right? And so for some of us, it is patterns of sin. And we all have them, friends. We all have them. Some of us, it's patterns we can't break, addictions. Others of us, it's just things that we love more than Jesus. And the the biblical word for that is an idol, right? An idol could be any good thing. Alcohol, TV, a relationship, a job, my money, anything that competes with Jesus for first place in my heart. 
But one of the things God did in Jenny's life is as she entered into that crucible of fasting and prayer, God, and it took time, right, Jenny? It didn't happen instantaneously. Nothing ever does. But as she submitted herself to allow God to turn up the heat on her soul, the impurities began to burn out. And I will tell you that two years later, this is in some ways the same woman that was sitting in the back two years ago. In some ways, this is a different woman. This woman has stepped into more of her destiny, and she is a freaking sharp and strong sword for the Lord. And God's going to make her stronger. But Ginny's story is not unique. God is calling all of us to be strengthened so that we can run the race he set before us. And so just a minute, we're going to have a time of response. And... uh, I'm going to um, I'm gonna invite us to make some specific responses as we start the year. I, I don't want you guys just to listen to me talk without actually appropriating some of this and saying, yeah, I'm going to step into this. So for some of us, God, j- just this morning, you need to draw the, a line in the sand and say, yes, I'm going to fast with the church in January. I don't know how long. I don't know what I'm fasting from. I I may not have total clarity on what I'm fasting for, but I'm going to figure it out today. I'm going to talk to my friends about it. I'm going to figure out home group, and I'm committing. I'm going to do this. I'm in, right? And in a minute, I'm going to have you guys stand. I'll pray for you. Others of you, as we begin 2019, you just know that the way you need to start is just by surrendering your life to Jesus. Maybe some of you this church is totally new for you. Maybe you've been coming for a while. Maybe you've never had a relationship with Jesus before. That's the number one thing that can strengthen us spiritually is to actually invite Jesus into our hearts to lead us and to surrender ourselves to him. And so for some of you this morning, God is tugging at your heart. And you can make that decision. Others of you, maybe you've made that decision before, but you've wandered off. And so today is an invitation for you to say, God, I'm surrendering once again. I want to give all that I am to you so that I can receive all that you have for me. And then finally, after we make those, we're just going to open up this space up here as a prayer space. All across the front, we'll have folks that um, know how to do prayer ministry, pray for other people, come up. And then I just want to invite anyone It wants prayer for anything at all. Anything, if you've heard a ping at all this morning, I want you to come forward, have somebody pray for you and cement in place the things that the Spirit is doing in your life. Amen? Got a race to run, friends. I want to invite Andrew up just to share a little specific details about fasting. So... Yeah, that's good, right? Don't all go look at your phone or look at your watches. We are running a little bit late, but I want to, I want to like name that so that we can say, hey, we're going to just go like five to 10 minutes long. Our kids are doing great. You're doing okay. Because we, we, we do want to make sure that we have some time just to respond. Uh, the reason why I'm up here is because we're, um, this seemed like the appropriate place in the service to share uh, some tools and resources um, before we respond and head on our way. We're launching a, a website. Um, 
which feels like a very weird transition, I know. Uh, the website is this, uh, inourtime.co. Should be a slide, the first slide there. There we go. Um, this phrase, in our time, comes from Habakkuk. Again, this verse that has been at the center of our community. It's what has caused us to want to plant other congregations. Um, it's caused us to want to do the things that we've done over these last few years. Lord, we have heard of your fame. We stand in awe of your deeds. Renew them in our day, in our time. Make them known. And so it's an invitation to join God in the renewal of all things. And it's an invitation to say, we want to be ready, Lord, for what you might want to do again. And so just like the prophet Habakkuk, like a good Jewish boy who's remembering these stories that have inspired the Mother Teresas and Dr. Kings of the world of slaves being taken out of Egypt and the God who, of the oppressed and hearing these stories of rescue and redemption, just like that, the person in the Bible, this Habakkuk character going, Lord, in my time, as he's looking out at the wreckage of his world saying, would you do it again? We stand here and we go, yes, God, would you do that again here? And we have a, a story that Greg shared 199 years ago. We st I stumbled upon this a couple of years back that there was this amazing move of God that happened in this city. It was one of these moments where of all the different probably small stories that have never been told uh, at this moment where you saw the economic and racial divisions come down in our city were directly linked to the spiritual revival. In fact, the creation of the Athenaeum has almost all of its roots. Every member on the board who made that building happen, the first open air mall, were a part of this revival and most of them converted in it. Like there's story after story. Throughout the spring of 1820, a revival of extraordinary power in Gulf Providence, sparked by the Second Baptist Church, the blaze of religious enthusiasm, quote, soon spread, and the glorious work of the Lord was extended throughout the town at large. In a town of not quite 12,000 people, nearly 500, nearly 500 people in less than a year uh, became followers of Jesus. It's an incredible percentage of the town, just kind of overwhelmed. There are these stories from people like Moses Brown. Moses Brown, the aging Quaker merchant and manufacturer, noted an especially stunning example of spiritual transformation. This friend, Anson Potter, who is a professed deist, um, became a seriously concerned man from rejecting the Bible from his house to having bought one and now reading with abundance, now saying it is the best and most consistent thing he has ever read. Uh, Stephen Gano of Gano Street talking about walking around the city and hearing story after story. As it's, he said, quote, it's as if every home is alive with the gospel of Jesus. There was something that, that 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 swept in, and so we're we're not we're not saying God's going to show up on like the two hundredth anniversary, like because God likes even numbers and double zeros. What we're saying is we want to use this as like a little like monument, a totem, a sign, something to spur us on to say this year we are taking what we have been doing for the last couple and trying to turn the temperature up. We recognize that we can come with wise and persuasive words. We can come with skinny jeans. We can come with all the direct, like the best appropriations of, of, of the gospel to help people make sense of the way of Jesus. And we will continue to serve the poor and lean into the things that God's called us to. But we have this sense that God is asking us to, to become and to rally the community for greater holiness to become more holy and to be ready and waiting for what God might want to do in our community, that more and more people might come alive to the light and life of the world, that no jacked up like administration and no over-politicized, broke evangelicalism or white nationalism can 
can like taint the kingdom of God. Like it can't actually mess with what is actually true about the things of Jesus and that God is doing something in our country, never mind in our city right now. And so we launched this resource as a way going into these next two weeks, but really into the next year to help us pray and fast. So starting today, every day there'll be a new devotional that will go up. Some will tell stories of revival. Some will just be uh, good like pivots for prayer, some scripture to look at to help us make sense of how to seek. Uh, everyone from the beginner to the experienced person who, who knows how to pray and fast, we hope this will be encouraging for you uh, and will be helpful for you. You can take that website if you know how to do that and make it like an icon on your home screen. It'll be on Instagram and Facebook, though I know a lot of you are fasting from social media, which is great. Uh, so have that page just even saved to your home screen. Um, we'll send out at the end of the week, like the whole list of them on email so you can get them that way. But we want to encourage you to journey along with us in this devotional. There's a page up on this site that outlines like how to fast, different ideas of fasting. Some of you want to read the Bible in a year and allow that to be a, a jump off point for praying. There's resources on there. Um, the reason why we're doing these two different heart gatherings and the reason we have a bunch of stuff planned throughout the year, again, all this stuff is up on that site. Prayer gatherings that are happening at Greg's house, uh, Sanctuary North hosts a Tuesday morning prayer gathering. We're just trying to turn the temperature up and say, okay, God, make us ready for the sorts of things that you want to do in this next year. So we're just excited about that. That's all. We, we, and I know many of you are. I mean, this is our story. We, we as a church are the most unlikely candidates to, to be going down this road in so many ways that I don't have time to get into. But a bunch of like critical, cynical, intellectual, like doubting, like way too cool for school kids who started this church are sitting here going, look, I'm done. I'm ready to nerd out and all that it means to be a, a freak for Jesus, a follower of Jesus. Like and say, we want you to Lord move in a way that you've never moved before. And we're ready. We're ready for you to like, to, to, to unearth something new in our, in our midst. And we believe that prayer and fasting is the thing that um, God's inviting us to to kick this year off. So I want to encourage you you're going to see this website everywhere all the time if you follow us. Um, but to follow along, to commit to praying and fasting. And as Greg extends some invites to you, just to hang around for just a few more minutes as we, uh, as we pray and prepare for the year. So I just want to, um, we're going to move into a time of just responding. If, if you are um, feeling led in this morning, you want to commit to pray and fast. Uh, in the next two weeks with us. I just want to invite you to stand right now. I'm going to pray for you. So you may not know all the particulars yet, but yes, I'm in. Sign me up. I'm committing. I just put out your hands. I'm just going to bless you. Amen. This is, this is awesome right here. Lord, come Holy Spirit. Come in as you filled Jesus, as you sent him into the wilderness, as he faced those testings of his soul that strengthened him in his identity, in his calling. Lord, I'm just blessing each person right now who's standing to encounter you, God, in their time of fasting, to encounter you, to be strengthened in their identity, to know that they're loved by you in a deeper way than they've ever known before, to have greater clarity in their calling. And Lord, I just pray we give you permission to purge away those parts of our lives that are not helping us to step into our destiny, Lord. They're holding us in bondage. 
and trapping us. And I just pray release, God, for any that are captive right now to this. I just pray release and freedom. And I just call you in the name of Jesus to step into the person and the calling that he's made you for. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I just go ahead and stay standing, guys. There's some folks maybe in the room that actually need to make a decision right now to surrender your life to Jesus as you start to hear it. So that's you. I just want to invite you to put your hand up and I'll pray for you. And it may be God's calling some folks in the room. Amen. Amen. I see you guys. God's, you keep your hand up so I pray for you. Some folks need to just come back to Jesus. You've wandered away. You've gotten off track. And you need to know that the Lord is waiting for you and you're saying, Jesus, I want to come back to you this morning. I want to surrender my life once again to you. Amen. God, for each of these sons and daughters right now, raising our hands saying, God, we know that we were made for relationship with you. Lord, we know that we've turned from you. And thank you for your grace. You died on the cross. You rose from the grave so that you could come into our lives and lead us and fill us with your power and your purpose. And so I just bless you, everyone raising your hand right now, to experience the embrace of God filling of the Holy Spirit. And if you've made a first-time decision right now, this one especially invite you to come forward. Tell someone about it or tell the person that brought you and have them pray with you and think about the next steps for what this means for you. Now, finally, we're just going to worship and I want to invite um, just anyone that would like, as a worship response, would like to come forward and receive prayer. I just want to invite you to come forward. Folks that are going to pray you guys come forward. This whole space, we're just opening it up for people to meet with Jesus. You could just come on up as you feel led and be prayed for. And we're just going to worship. Stay in this space for a little while.